Welcome into the Focused on Fenway podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Locke. Sit back and relax as I update you on everything going on in the world of Red Sox baseball from Boston and beyond. Please be sure to follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Focused on Fenway. You can also follow me on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Focused on Fenway. I'm your host, Daniel Locke. I covered the Red Sox for the Yawkeyway Report. I studied journalism at Auburn University, where I also serve as the co-sports director for the student-run radio station, Weagle 91.1 FM. I decided to start this podcast as a way to cover my Red Sox in a way that I haven't been able to yet, and I hope that it will become a well-known podcast covering one of America's most beloved ball clubs. Speaking of America's most beloved ball clubs, the Red Sox traveled out to Chicago this weekend to visit America's second most beloved ballpark, um, it being Wrigley Field. We all know what number one is. And it didn't go well. Um, I saw a couple Instagram posts on the Red Sox page. One of them was captioned, one with the Ivy, uh, J.D. Martinez, um, leaning into the famous Ivy in the outfield at Wrigley. And another one said, it was uh, I think it was Xander and Raffi, and it said, getting acquainted with the friendly confines, well, that, that did not happen. The Red Sox did not get acquainted with the friendly confines until Sunday. And it, the series just didn't go well as they dropped two out of three. So we're just going to start with game one. The Red Sox dropped the series opener six to five. The Sox took a 4-0 lead into the bottom of the fifth inning. Uh, in the first inning, Jaron Duran hit a solo shot to center. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. hit a deep um, a double to deep right center, which was able to score Trevor Story, Christian Velasquez, and Franchi Cordero. Rich Hill was on the mound for Boston in game one. He went through four and two-thirds innings. He started strong, only giving up one hit in the first four innings. Unfortunately for him, he fell apart in the fifth as he gave up three runs. Boston had a small rally in the top of the sixth inning. Jaron Duran came up the bat with the bases loaded. He singled the center field, which brought Trevor Story home safe. Christian Velasquez was thrown out the plate on that play. If that had gone differently, the Sox may have been able to pull it out. If Velasquez had just hung out on first for a second, and maybe uh, Vasquez, excuse me. Um, if he had just hung out third, the Sox may have been able to score, but you know, who knows. Um, the Red Sox bullpen continued to struggle as the Cubs hung three more runs in the top of six. That was all the scoring. Cubbies win 6-5. The only Boston pitcher who recorded more than one out without giving up any runs was Hirokazu Sawarma. And the, the Red Sox batters with multiple hits were Jaron Duran and Franchi Cordero, both with two. Jackie Bradley Jr. did have that one hit that scored three runs. So he is my offensive player of the game for Boston. So, game two, Josh Winkowski pitched really well for the Red Sox. He only gave up one earned run through six innings. The Red Sox' biggest strengths this year have been their hitting and their fielding. That's what cost them this game. There were two runs that, or two errors that led to Cubs runs, and that's very unfortunate. Uh, they only recorded five hits, which is really, really, un- really bad as well as Winkowski pitched. And the Red Sox pitching staff just isn't that great this year. So when they're going to provide you with some 
you know, some really, really low-scoring games from the other teams, they, they have to be able to pounce on that and really, really be able to take advantage. In Game 3, Connor Siebold got to start for Boston and Keegan Thompson got to start for Chicago. The Cubs got off to a fast start in this one as Rafael Ortega scored off a single from Wilson Contreras. Boston answered with an infield single from Franchi Cordero that scored Alex Verdugo and Jaron Duran was later walked to force in Christian Velasquez. Excuse me, Vasquez. I don't know why I'm struggling with that so much today. Christian Vasquez to go up 2-1. Patrick Wisdom tied game for the Cubs in the eighth inning with a home run to center. And nine innings wasn't enough for this one. The Sox were able to avoid the sweep in the series in the 11th inning as Bobby Dahlbeck and Christian Arroyo were both able to score on a throwing error by Cubs pitcher Rowan Wick. So some series takeaways. The pitching was not that bad. The offense was just non-existent in games two and three. Um, Game one, the pitching wasn't great, and the offense did a decent enough job. So just pretty much a variety of things went wrong at different times in this series. And with the fielding, that hasn't been an issue all year. The Red Sox have great fielders all over the diamond. I'm really not sure what happened this weekend. So, rough weekend in Chicago, but now the Red Sox get to go back home, get to play at Fenway. A holiday crowd today uh, for that game, which starts just just about an hour. It starts, so I'm excited to watch that. Um. Boston is currently in second place in the American League East. The Blue Jays are only half a game behind them, and Tampa Bay is one full game behind them. Those three teams currently possess all three AL wildcard spots. If the Red Sox don't play well this weekend, they could lose a decent chunk of ground. Um, The next four – oh, wait, and just to explain it real quick, if you didn't know, the MLB changed the playoff format for this year. Instead of two wildcard teams in each league, there will be three. The team, the division winner with the lowest, worst record will play the third wildcard team in a three-game series at the third division winner's park. And then the first and second wildcard teams will do the same. So if the, the season were to end today in the playoffs, in the wildcard round, the Red Sox would be hosting the Blue Jays for a three-game series at Fenway Park. That is why I'm really hoping that the Red Sox can take that first wild card spot. Honestly, I think the division's probably gone for the year. The Yankees have really run away with it. So I want the Red Sox to be able to get that at Fenway Park. Like they had the wild card game against the Yankees last year at Fenway Park. That was a great atmosphere. It always is. And it's all it's a lot better when you can have a game like that at home than having to travel, particularly to a tough environment like the Bronx. Um Garrett Cole was really shut down in that game, and I really think it had a ton to do with how tough the Red Sox made it for him because of the home crowd. The next 14 Red Sox games are all against the Rays or Yankees, so now would be a terrific time to rail off you know, 14 games in a row. But we'll see what happens there. So today's game one, like I said, starts in about an hour. Austin Davis is on the mound for Boston. Jalen Beeks is on the mound for Tampa Bay. This year, Davis is 1-1 one one with a 2.45 ERA, a 1.30 whip, 29.1 innings pitched, 32 strikeouts, and 15 bases on balls or walks. 
not not bad at all. He has been very solid. Like like I said, he's only pitched 29.1 innings, so about three games and some change worth of pitching from him. But I'm excited for this guy. He's playing very well. I don't expect it to stop, and hopefully he can turn into a really, really va- consistently valuable arm for this Red Sox rotation for the rest of the year and many years to come. On the other side, Jalen Beeks, he's also 1-1 one one on the year. He is a 2.70 ERA, a 1.08 whip, 33.1 innings pitched, 41 strikeouts, and 11 walks. No Xander Bogarts for Boston, at least in Game 1. Christian Arroyo will start at shortstop. In Game 2, Nick Pavetta is on the mound for Boston. Jeffrey Springs is on the mound for Tampa Bay. This year, Nick Pavetta has an uh, 8.5, or excuse me, an 8 and 5 record, a 3.23 ERA, a 1.12 WHIP, 94.2 innings pitched, 91 strikeouts, and 32 walks. Very good year. Uh, Nick Pavetta is probably the Red Sox best starter right now, especially with Nathan Evaldi being injured. Hopefully, they get Evaldi back soon and. Austin Davis continues to peak, and we get Chris Sale back so we can have a full rotation as this team competes for a better playoff spot. And then on the other side is Jeffrey Springs. He is 3-2 and two this year with a 2.25 ERA, a 1 even, 1.00 whip, 65 innings pitched, 65 strikeouts, and 13 walks. He's a really good pitcher as well. That's one thing that Kevin Cash and the Tampa Bay Rays have done a great job of is stocking their team up with great arms. And I guess it's also a lot of Eric Neander, too, since he's the GM. I'm not sure why I said Kevin Cash being the manager, but you know, it, it's, it's still pretty early, so I can have an excuse for that one. And for Game 3, Rich Hill is on the mound for the Red Sox. Corey Kluber is on the mound for the Rays. So Rich Hill is 4-4 four and four on the year, a 4.20 ERA. Not great, but it definitely could be worse. A 1.29 whip, 70.2 innings pitched, 58 strikeouts, and 23 walks. Rich Hill has put together some very good performances. He has been very, very good at times. He has also really, really struggled. So you, just, you never know what you're going to get out of Rich Hill. Hopefully uh, it's... Hopefully it's a good performance on Wednesday. And on the other side, Corey Kluber. A few years ago, Corey Kluber definitely had an argument to be one of the best pitchers in baseball. This year, he hasn't been so great. Not bad, but not not great. He is 3-5, a 3.91 ERA, a 1.16 whip, 76 innings pitched, 67 strikeouts, and 13 walks. So those are the starters for... All three games. Uh, I think Boston definitely has the potential to win this series. They kind of caught the luck of the draw a little bit, and they get to face some of the Rays' not-so-great pitchers. And some of the better Red Sox pitchers are available to pitch. Hopefully they get Nathan Eovaldi back soon for a lot of these games against the Yankees coming up. I'll actually be attending one of those games in the Bronx. More about that later. So, yeah, the Red Sox need two of these. Um, as long as they win one, I'll be okay. Just I don't want them to get swept, especially at home. That's always just embarrassing. 
especially when you're known for having a good home field advantage. So I just don't want to see that happen. So kind of to close out our first episode, I'm a history nerd. I love history. I love the Red Sox. Consequently, I love Red Sox history. So for the last minute or so of each episode, I'm going to do a little Red Sox history lesson. Today's the 4th of July, so of course we have to do something from the 4th of July. On July 4th, 1977, there was a different type of fireworks show at Fenway Park. The Toronto Blue Jays were in town. Boston ended up winning this game 9-6, but this game set the MLB record for solo home runs with 7. I went back and watched some of the highlights from this game, and it was awesome. It was really entertaining. That's one thing I love about baseball, is we have detailed stats, and as soon as digital media became available, highlights for for, for stats back dates back to the early 1900s. And for digital highlights, as soon as that became a thing, it's been something that we can watch with baseball. And that's just something that a lot of sports don't have. I know a lot of that's because baseball is very old compared to a lot of sports, but that's just something that contributes to baseball truly still being America's pastime is that Red Sox history lessons are something that we can do and that this team has so much history. So that's going to wrap up our first episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really enjoyed it. This is going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to record more of these. I'm not sure how frequently I'm going to record these episodes. I'm thinking right now maybe three a week. I feel like that'll be good to where there's new information to report each time, but not so much to where I get burnt out. And I'm really looking forward to it. This has been a lot of fun. Like I said, please follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Focused on Fenway Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke. Have a great 4th of July.